So I'd like to welcome everyone to the Car Stories podcast. Uh, so I'd say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, maybe even good night, depending on where you're listening or watching, because obviously this is now on YouTube. I've got the wonderful Mike Hallmark with me from Helwig. Um, I'd like to say that we don't often shill products on this show, so we've made a conscious effort today not to talk about Helwig. Mike, can you do that for me? Uh, definitely, definitely. Helwig will not be mentioned or the suspension products that we make. That we would not uh, mention it absolutely once. No, we're not talking about the sway bars, the airbags, the helper springs that we do, none of that. We won't talk about that. We won't even talk about this Helwig vehicle that we're in right now. Is oh, that, does that seem fair? Yeah, we should not talk about this 2017 Ford F350 that we spilt, built specifically for the Ford booth at the SEMA show. No, that's one, and we will not talk about how it is possibly the best vehicle for today because in sunny Southern California, we actually had torrential downpours last night, Herculean-like floods, and so this vehicle that we're not going to talk about shall not be mentioned that it is probably suitable for this type of driving today. Oh, yeah, we won't mention that it has an Icon Stage 5, 4.5-inch lift on Falcon mud terrain tires that are 37 inches in diameter uh, and completely set up for off-road mud snow-like conditions. I mean... We're not going to talk about the fact that this is the ultimate adventure recon vehicle. No, I think that's totally something we should not do. But Mm-mm. maybe we could start, though, by telling us, uh, Mike, about what you and Helwig have been up to since you guys were last on the podcast. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we, uh, we were on... About a year ago. About a year ago. And we, we spoke about what we do and why we manufacture the products that we do. Yes. Since then... Also, uh, you were on... Uh, Melanie was on a second time due to a high demand from my wife, Grace, who loves Melanie, by the way. Oh, that's awesome. And Perfect. loves hearing her talk and wanted to come back. and um, was disappointed that we couldn't get the three of us in here today. Maybe next time. I'm sure we can arrange that. She's, she's been quite busy as well, taking on new roles at on the manufacturing side of, of what we do. And uh, I've, been, I've been all over, man. I've been, uh, you know, pretty much a Johnny Cash song. Hey. You, you name it, I've been there, man. We've, uh, we took the Nissan Titan that we did the rule breaker. We had that all over. We had it down to Baja, Mexico last year. We drove it to the bottom of the Grand Canyon with a Nissan factory team for a press drive that they did. That was really awesome. Okay. We had it up to uh, an Overland Expo out in Arizona. We had it to Overland Expo up in Washington. Yep. Uh, really, really fun times. We actually... Uh, I navigated for a Class 8 truck, uh, Dean Schlingman Motorsports, in the Baja 1000 this year. That mm-hmm. We took the camper off the Nissan Titan and then drove it, uh, towed a trailer with a chase vehicle all the way down to La Paz and back. So, for those that don't remember, can you tell us a bit about that Nissan vehicle? Oh yeah, the Nissan Titan was a 2016 Nissan Titan XD with a Cummins diesel in it. Uh, We partnered with Lance Camper, who gave us a Lance 650 camper that we then supplied them uh, a very unique vinyl wrap Mm -hmm. for the camper that then they applied prior to assembling the camper itself. So the vinyl was under all the silicone, all the sealing, to ensure it had a real tight finish to it. Um, We had tons of other partners on that. We had uh, InFab Steps. We did... Uh, a long-range fuel tank by Transfer Flow. Of course, we had Method wheels, Falcon tires. I mean, there's so much to list of the, the aftermarket products that, that helped us with it. But our goal there was the ultimate overland vehicle in extreme comfort. Sure. So that Lance 650 had a queen-size bed that actually has a Serta mattress in it. 
Uh, I've camped on the footsteps of the Long Beach uh, Convention Center because I didn't want to pay $300 a night for... Who does? For Nobody does. And I had the capability to stay in the camper at the footsteps of it. And surprisingly, I didn't get hassled by security. But if they did, I had a game plan, which was if security said, hey, what are you doing? I, my reply was, I'm security for this truck. I would have believed it. Right. So it was awesome uh, just camping on the doorsteps there. Uh, I've been I've been lucky enough to camp out urbanly uh, in that thing to go to concerts. I've done it in Seattle, Washington. I did it once again in Long Beach, uh, as well as just taking it out to the middle of nowhere and, and camping it. So, so how many miles have you driven in the Nissan then, would you say? Personally, I've driven, I've probably in that year, I drove at least 20,000 miles. Which is not too bad. In that, oh no, it's almost double the average uh, miles that a driver puts on a vehicle. 12,000 is roughly the, the average. And also, of course, because you have more than one vehicle. Uh, personally or through Hellwig? Personally. Uh, personally, situation. yes. I, uh, I have a mental illness. Um, some, some people call it hoarding. Technically, it's not hoarding if it's cool stuff. I always say it's not hoarding if you can remember all of the vehicles. That's, see, and that's valid. And I'm going to go with that, too. So that's the way I see it. And no. then if you don't remember, I think you get two chances. Gotcha. Oh. Because you, one day you might not be on, it might be an off day, so you might forget. True. True. So second time, it gives you a chance to refresh, maybe have a look, walk around, remember, and then come back. Oh, yeah. It, as long as... I mean, I stopped drinking sodas out of aluminum cans, so hopefully old time. I call it old timers. Yeah. Hopefully that old timers doesn't kick in. Uh, but yeah, as of right now, I can recite every every vehicle that I have, which is not too bad. And then, so with that, obviously, you take it. It's not always the urban camping, as you mentioned, or it's you do take it out as people. Some people think that it might just sit there on the pavements and whatnot and be used for curb crawling. Oh, of course, we we've like you said, bottom of the Grand Canyon is pretty pretty. Oh, it was, it was awesome. We had Nissan brought out uh, their custom build, which was called uh, Project Base Camp, mm -hmm. which was a XD diesel as well that they had a trailer with. Uh, and then I think four or five stock, both gas and diesel trucks. Yep. And yeah, we bombed down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon through, uh, I want to say it's Peach Springs, okay. Arizona area. Uh, but we were doing 45, 50 miles an hour on these graded dirt roads with factory trucks with absolutely nothing in it. And we've got this Lance Camper on the back, and we just handled it. We had different media outlets drive the truck and, with all rave reviews. Everybody couldn't believe that the truck handled the way it did with the camper sitting on that. Sure. And I mean, I've seen the videos of where you're taking it, maybe getting more of that angle as much as you could. I like it. Right, yeah. And we just want to show people you can't build something uh, that in your face, essentially, mm -hmm. and not get both praises and then people that have their concerns. Sure. So we had a lot of people that said, oh, what a show queen, it'll never go anywhere. And rather than getting in a uh, an argument over the internet with what I call e-thugs, we just said, hey, hey, watch what we do. Hey, follow along. Follow what we do, and then you make a decision on if we, we built a capable vehicle or not. Yeah, because sometimes the internet is not really a kind place. No, no, no. Everybody's uh, you know a professional boxer, MMA fighter, uh, on a keyboard exactly so but it's all good and it's it it takes uh the doubt for people to move forward and do stuff and and it's the doubt that drives the competition people to actually do it so for us we just we didn't take it in a negative light we just said cool hey well this is an opportunity for us to show people how our products work how it helps vehicles get in and out of places and make them safe and comfortable to drive sure 
And then, so before we started rolling, you were telling me a little bit about uh, this build mm -hmm. and how it came about. It seemed like it was quite a... It would have maybe caused some people, other people, not yourself, but maybe a few nights of uh, restlessness and maybe missed out a little few hours of sleep. But you seem to take it pretty much in your stride by the sounds of it. Oh, I appreciate the, the faith in my ability to sleep. But yeah, there was, it was definitely, there was some, some nights where there was some, some missed sleep. But this was a project vehicle that we did with, with Ford, essentially. It was a, a dollar vehicle through them. Okay. And the way you... And just for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit what a dollar vehicle means? Yes, definitely. The, so the way the dollar vehicle program works is Ford does offer vehicles literally for a dollar uh, as long as they're going to be marketed and presented properly for a certain amount of time. So we put together our program, mm -hmm. what we're going to do. Uh, we sent our submittal, so we had a rendering of the vehicle. We had a concept. We uh, also had a very good track record with previous vehicles that we had done with the Rule Breaker, which is the Nissan Titan. We also did what we called the Big Wig, which was another Ford uh, vehicle, a three-quarter ton F-250. Yep. And they basically just told Ford, hey, this is where we're going to go with the truck. This is what we're going to do. This is the type of exposure. This is the marketing that we can offer for it. Uh, and luckily enough, our proposal caught their eye and they said, cool, you're in. So we moved forward, we, put, we submitted uh, what we wanted on the truck, Ford then built it and called us and said, hey, your truck's ready. Uh, to that point, I then set up transport for the truck that fell through, which then brought on a second phone call from Ford saying, hey, we need you to come get this truck, we gotta get going. So that was at 11 a.m. on a Thursday morning with about seven weeks to SEMA. Okay. Uh, at that point, I talked to our builder, Sarah Morrison, from LG ECTS Motorsports in San Diego. About two minutes into the build, I realized we needed the truck sooner than later. Got off the phone with her, called back uh, Sherry from Ford and said, Hey, uh, uh, can you pick me up from the Detroit airport tomorrow morning? She replied with, You're a whirlwind and you bet. So by noon, I had a flight booked to uh, Detroit. Yep. By 4.30, I was on a flight from Fresno going to Denver, Denver to Newark, Newark to uh, Detroit. Landed there at 8 a.m. Sherry gladly picked me up. We went straight to the Dearborn plant. We peeled plastic off the interior of a brand-new black truck with three miles on it. She took it out of dealership mode for me, and I drove it from Dearborn, Michigan to Lancaster, California. And so how many miles is that? Uh, I believe it was 2,200, 2,400 miles. Sure. I'd have to double check my map on it. Uh, but really just got on it and made sure we got it home safe and sound so we can start the build. And then how long did it take you to drive back then? Uh, it took me about two and a half days. Which isn't too bad. No, so I left at roughly 9.30 a.m. on Friday. I got home to Lancaster, California at about 2.30 p.m. on Sunday. And that's not too bad at all, considering this is obviously a truck with three miles on it. No, yeah, not at all. It, it did very, uh, very well. And uh, my contact at Ford, before I left, she said, uh, you are driving, hands down, the best vehicle to go cross-country in. And, and how was it going cross-country in it was, It was great. It was amazing. Uh, the truck's very comfortable, I and mean, you're experiencing it now. This is obviously with aftermarket products on it. I was going to say, it, with, it has, a, I will say, probably a, few, a little bit more ride height than it comes from factory, I might say. About four and a half inches worth of suspension, and then at least another three or four in tire, because we are on 37-inch tires. And it is, it is incredibly smooth. No, I mean, the ride is fantastic. Between the, the Icon suspension that's on here, 
Uh, and then the Helwig airbags and front and rear sway bars that we put on, this thing handles like a 7,000-pound race car. Uh, yeah, I mean, it can't. So you get it back home here to Southern California. What was the name? And then you're still just almost six and a half weeks out then from SEMA, correct? We're, we're right at seven weeks. Right we're, at seven we're weeks. We're still there because I had seven weeks as of the Monday, basically the, next, the following Monday. Yeah. Now, tell us also about how a SEMA build works. Because obviously it's not with this, probably wasn't a TV show, so you didn't have like 36 hours to get it done. Right. And you hadn't fallen out with someone at that point. So in reality, how does a SEMA build work for you? Because you said that you had eight weeks budgeted for this, but you were going to do it in seven. So that's obviously means you've lost a week somewhere. Yep. Because of everything yes, along the way, because of just business and work and everything else. I like to call it life. Yep. Yeah. Um, so how does that, how do you go, do you, is, it, is it all outsourced to the company that you've got that's doing the build? And how do you fit in and plug and play with the other vendors that are working alongside you? So once we come up with the concept of the build and then we build what we call our deck or our proposal, yep. uh, we, as we're doing that proposal, we figure out the key manufacturers we would like to work with. And we also have A and B manufacturers in case somebody can't work with us, they just don't have the budget. Okay. Uh, luckily, as a manufacturer, we have a great relationship with other manufacturers, mm -hmm. and we network a lot with within the SEMA organization, which sure. is the Specialty Equipment Marketing Association. And how can people not like you and Melanie? That, that thank you very much very, uh, and to be nice. honest I don't know either you know the, the Both key, very nice thank you very much the, the key thing that we like to do is we're very family oriented mm -hmm. we are a fourth generation family owned company I'm not part of the family uh, by blood but by by life by life I'd say I, yes I, almost I, I call Melanie my fourth sister sure um, but no, our main thing is you know my kind of motto is everybody's everybody wants to be friends we're just waiting for the introduction yep so let's go meet, and then my thing is, let's grow together. So I never approach anybody with a, how are you going to help Hellwig? It's, hey, let's all grow together and see what we can do. So once we have the manufacturers figured out that we want to work with, then we have to go through exactly the part numbers that we look for. Yep. Because uh, it's very important to make it as little of a headache for anybody else. Mm -hmm. So then at that point, you start reaching out. Some, some people, it's easy because I already have a relationship. Hey, it's Mike from Hellwig. How are you doing? Hey, not a problem. Other people, it's that first introduction where it's, hey, it's Mike, and it takes seven phone calls, seven emails to get sure. it through. And luckily with this build uh, and with the proposal that we put together, if it was a new introduction and I could get somebody on the phone and they would ask about the build, yeah. I would not talk about it or answer any questions until they opened up my email and opened up the, the deck. Presentation. The sure. presentation. Once they opened the presentation... They saw the picture, they saw the rendering, they saw how serious we took that and how professional it was. And instantly, 95% would say, yes, we're in, whatever you want to do. And then we could talk about the product and, and how we were going there. Uh, a lot of the product, we were th grateful enough to where they actually, uh, no questions asked, we had the sponsorship. Some we had to do spo partial sponsorship. That's just the way it works. Some sure. companies don't have it in the budget. Yep. But luckily, everybody was willing to work with us. Quick turnaround on products. So we got the product sitting, waiting to go on the truck. And then it was just then setting the calendar for build time. So like for paint, that had to go. This truck started as a all-black paint. Interior panels were silver. Headliner was silver. Any panel in here that you see that's a different color brown, that was a metallic silver. Okay. Uh, so I mean, it's, the car is definitely not black on the outside anymore. No, no. Uh, so I'm part with, probably where the parts are meant to be black, like the uh, 
wheel arches, I think, on the inside. Ah, uh, yes, yes, which that was supplied by Ford. But uh, we were lucky enough to get uh, BASF as a sponsor. Mm-hmm. They supplied us their RM uh, line of paint uh, in the tan and then the, the two other color uh, browns so we could do the digital camo. And we actually based those two other colors of camo off the 511 material that 511 uh, supplied us to do the interior of the seats. Okay. So what we're sitting on, these, this tan and this brown, yep. was used to match that RM paint. Okay. And then 511 also supplied us, as you can see in the back seat, this lifted up all their pouches. And then we implemented their, what they call their molly webbing. Yep. Onto the back underside of the seats, the back side of the seats, and on the front seats, if you feel down, there's some pouches there. Oh, yes. Oh, totally. Uh, so we implemented that into the interior. Uh, Rogelio is the, the outfit that did the upholstery for us. Uh, they're in the San Dimas area. Okay. But it just, it just, it all tied it together. Oh, no, it looks and, fantastic. And the main thing with Ford is, well, the goal is this was going to be going into Ford's booth. As mm-hmm. long as we built it right, it would go into Ford's booth. Sure. Uh, so my goal in managing the build was to make sure that it was done to the nines. It was, no detail was left untouched. Yep. And so, does that, so after you get it, who did it go to first in regards to this process of getting it all built out? Where's the... The first thing I had to do was I had to get it registered in Helwig's name. Okay. So to do that, you have to get it weighed. Does that mean you go to the DMV? And so prior to going to the DMV, okay. I had to go to a scale, yep. get it weighed, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had to get it smogged because uh, all cars have to be smogged prior to being sold to the public. Mm-hmm. Well, the dealerships usually handle that. Sure. But once again, in a true Johnny Cash fashion, I just went straight to the manufacturer. It was cheaper that way. Okay. So since I picked it up from Ford Manufacturing, I had to physically get it smog. So yep. I got it smog, got it weighed, uh, and then took it to the DMV and got it registered. Now, did you make an appointment at the DMV or did you show up at the DMV? I just showed up to the DMV. Okay. At that point with, uh, you know, in Southern California, it's almost two weeks out to make a reservation with yes. the DMV and I just didn't have that freedom because uh, you know on a Thursday at 11 o'clock I decided I needed to make a reservation on a flight yeah I mean it some people say that going to the DMV can really be a bit of a chore it is it's getting better and I've also found uh, in dealing with the DMV since I have several vehicles. I have several vehicles. I'm quite savvy in the ways of the DMV. Uh-huh. Uh, I find that if you go in with the kill them with kindness always. attitude. Always. As always as polite as you can be. Super polite. And I always tell them, hey, look, you're the professional. I'm the amateur. And most likely I've done something wrong. So if you can help me to understand how I can make your job easier, I will gladly oblige. Exactly. It's the and same then, I do with my parking permits. And I love those people at the parking permit places. Right. And I'm always apologetic as best as I can be of whenever course. I go in there. I'm sorry. My bad. I may how have bought chocolates and flowers at some stage to make sure it goes through, just to make sure, but just to help. It always yep. works. Yes. So uh, once that happened, uh, truck was in Hellwig's name. We're good mm-hmm. to go. Then it went down to LGECTS Motorsports in San Dimas. Okay. Where then they started the process and we went down the checklist. Uh, they put the Icon Stage 5 suspension on right away. They got that dialed. Uh, they then installed our front and rear sway bar and airbag kit, and that was actually covered through Diesel World Magazine, which was awesome. Yep. To get that exposure for the, the pre-build side. Uh-huh. Uh, and then from there, the truck went to, uh, and I love this part, because during these builds, you know, things don't happen in a sequence that everybody might think makes sense in their head. But So we had the four and a half inch lift on. Uh, we've got uh, the rear seats taken out, because they're now at the upholstery shop. 
and now we're taking the truck to Wilco Off-Road to okay. have the the pre-runner style tailgate made. Uh, and it needs to be made special because this is an all-aluminum truck, and we're going to hang a 37-inch tire off it. Yep. So we had the Fab Four's rear bumper already mounted, so we took it to them so then they could make and modify the bumper uh, and their tailgate to be able to withstand that extra weight of that 37-inch tire. Yep. So that was there roughly uh, four days. Uh, we did a sand sports show down in Southern California. After that, we picked the truck up right back to LGE CTS, uh, and then it went into paint. Okay. So bed came off the truck, body prep, panels came out, the front seats came out. Those went over to the interior shop. And obviously at that point, we had already had our material supplied to us by 511 uh, and the molly webbing, so that could be implemented. Uh, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe the paint was done in five days. That's all prep, all paint. And the paint, like I said, it's really good. I mean, I thought it was a wrap. Everybody, everybody does. Because it's so incredible. Yes, yes. Uh, Teresa Contreras from LGE CTS, she is the painter. She does amazing work with paint. She's also with The Real Deal. She does a lot of stuff with Jimmy Shine. So she's well known in the industry uh, and in the paint world. She does beautiful work. And she really, she really did us a solid on the paint job with the truck. Yeah, I mean, if, if I could afford her, I want her to do everything. Right? Yeah, definitely. You, you got to give her a shout. If you have a project that needs top-notch paint she's the one to do it she is she's fantastic and then so after paint then where did it, what was the where did it go from there then it was once it got done with paint then it came out and then it was time for all the bells and whistles the the bushwhacker fender flares went on um, while it was in paint uh, Louis Morrison Sarah and Teresa's dad uh, we worked closely on modifying the Fab Four's front bumper. Okay. It's their Vigits front bumper. It's a real tight bumper. It looks good. Only downside is it's not designed to carry a winch. Yep. For this build, we need a winch. Uh, Warren supplied us with their 16.5S winch. That's a 16,500-pound winch. Very heavy-duty winch. Okay. So we. So when I get stuck in quicksand, it's going to be able to pull me out? You bet. Okay. Definitely. That's all right. So it's we, always my concern. Oh, and quicksand will get you. It'll sneak right up on you. Yep. You don't even know. All Especially of a sudden, in the streets of Hollywood. You yes. Never, oh. You never expect Adam, to see quicksand there in Hollywood, and, and all of a sudden, boom. Dude, all, with all the potholes. We have the all the water lines that are bursting these days. You exactly. Never know. You never know at all. So, uh, worked closely with Louie on that, and we modified the front bumper uh, with stout steel to make sure it would not uh, rip out of the vehicle, the winch would come off the vehicle, yep. um, which is always a challenge to tuck a large 16.5 winch in a place without destroying the look of the front end. Because we still, no matter what, we have to think of the aesthetics. Yep. The vehicle has to look good. Uh -huh. So we did the modifications and it came out very well. Um, then from there, the T-Rex X-Metal grill was put on to round out the front end. Uh, we mounted the rigid lights. We have their uh, two-inch cubes up front, and then in the middle we have what they call their. We're gonna have to edit this, but I gotta figure out what. I always forget what it's called. We can make it work. Yeah, yeah, we'll go back to it. Their. It's a special light. We'll come back to that. Um, and then we've got rigid lights out back in the bumper for backup lights and also so you can see going out the back. And then I also uh, implemented what they call their rock lights into the wheel wells okay. of the truck. Uh, so that way when we're out off-roading, 
you hit the lights and you can see under the vehicle. Oh, which is real handy. Uh, in all honesty, when I go to shows at night, I like to use those lights so it lights up my suspension products and it highlights the product so I can then show people what I'm talking about. Ah, uh, the Helwick suspension so, products that we're that, not going to talk about. That we're about. not going to talk about. That's all right. The great thing about the products that we manufacture, the airbags, the helper springs, and the sway bars, is they are life-changing. They are a night and day difference between without it and with Helwig. Sure. The downside is everything is hidden under the truck, so nobody knows that it's there. They just think that the vehicle handles amazingly. I call our product the Suspension Ninja. Yeah. It's always working, you just don't know it's there. So anytime I can highlight, uh, literally highlight, put a light on my components, I like to do that so then I can talk about it. Um, then from there we have 17-inch heavy-duty method wheels. Uh, that are wrapped in the Falcon Mudframe 37-inch tires, mm -hmm. uh, so that way we have the, the lift. It's a bit of a tall truck, but that, that's what helps to showcase the capabilities of our big wig rear sway bar and our big wig airbags. With a truck that's been altered with the center of gravity that drastically, you need something that's going to reduce your body weight. Yep. So without plugging it, the Hellwig big wig rear sway bar, that's where it comes in, and it makes sure that the truck is nice and nice and flat. Usually on the back of the truck, we have a uh, wild, a Textron Wildcat X. Right now, we're doing some modifications to it. But with that on the truck, it's almost at, it's basically at five feet is where it sits off the ground, mounted on the Tech deck. Yeah. And it's a 1,600-pound, almost 1,700-pound vehicle. So it's within the weight limits and the weight capacity of the one-ton truck. But you have a higher center of gravity. Sure, and a higher center of gravity means other things that can happen More to body you. roll, and yeah. you're gonna have some sag out back. I've got a no saggy bottoms policy. So the big wig airbags hold it level, the rear sway bars, both rear and front, with that ultimate center of gravity going through turns, yep. manage that weight, and you hardly even notice that it's up there. You know because there's weight, but nothing feels out of control. It feels very comfortable, very smooth. Um, well, back to the build. So you've gone from there in the build. You've done all that. When does it come back to you before you take it out to Las Vegas for SEMA? Well, in a true uh, SEMA build fashion, mm -hmm. uh, it's 11th hour. Okay. Uh, we completed the build Saturday morning yep. before SEMA at mm -hmm. 4.30 a.m. We mounted the Textron Wildcat X on the deck for the very first time. Yep. Uh, at 4.23 a.m. Saturday morning. Perfect. And it fit flawlessly. Uh, Sherp Tech did a great job designing this deck. They said this is basically a prototype deck. They had never done a side-by-side -side deck before. They specialize in flatbed yep. for campers with a unique fold-down side so you can access stuff. So for them to build something spot-on based off blueprints and measurements they took from a local Ford dealership, was amazing. My hat's off to them. So the side-by-side -side went on no problem. We yep. used the max tie-down, wheel tie-downs on all four wheels to secure it to the deck. By 4.30, I was wheels up heading to Palmdale for our photo shoot. I had a 6 a.m. photo shoot in Palmdale, California. I made it at 6.05 a.m. Nice. Not bad. Uh, from there, went home and took a nap because I was a little bit exhausted. Of course. Uh, worked on the truck a little bit more, just the finite details to make sure we were good. Mm -hmm. uh, slept through the night and then hit the road first thing Sunday morning and drove to Vegas. Went to the, the lot where I needed to have the truck placed. Got it washed, 
Ford took it, and by 5, 5, 5.30 p.m. Sunday, it was rolling into Ford's booth at the SEMA show. And it was a, as a, I understand that sometimes it's much better if you can have a manufacturer with your truck, so they can, or your vehicle, I should say, so they can roll it in there, so you don't have to wait around in line, because I understand that sometimes some SEMA vehicles may not be quite finished, I understand. It, yes, it happens. It's, it's called the SEMA Crunch. Yep. Uh, and as long as you're, we call it the 11th hour, as long as you're within that 11th hour, you're good. But I've, uh, I have actually physically put product on vehicles in the parking lot uh, at the SEMA show and actually where the vehicle's already been placed yeah. to ensure that it's there. So, you know, it, it depends on the build. In a perfect world, these builds would be done with two weeks in advance and then you have time to go over everything. But... I was more thinking along the lines of not so much a SEMA curse of getting everything done, but just more of the fact of sitting in that line waiting to get the car placed in the booth and not having to sit in the traffic and you can be out enjoying. True. And the, and the good news is, specifically being with Ford, that gave us a little bit of clout. Where yeah. We could say, hey, we're with Ford. Oh, we're, you know, uh, I'm sure you've seen the movie uh, Wayne's World. Yep. When they had the backstage When you get that passes. badges everywhere. Backstage pass. Backstage pass. Yeah. So... Kind of, you know, you throw the Ford name around. A couple people know who yeah. Ford, uh, Ford I mean, Motor I, Company is. I mean, I think they've been around a little bit. A little bit. I think they've made three or four cars. Uh, yes. At least. One, one or two might have come up with the, uh, or at least made the, the production line. Yeah, uh, a little a, bit a smoother. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so they're a good company to work with. And yes, they, they took the vehicle over, which was great because by this time I was exhausted. Yep. Uh, that final push to, to SEMA was there because we, you know, we had parts going on all the way up to our deadline of, of 4.23 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in the process of the build, we had a mag high-tech front diff cover, oil pan cover, and transmission cover that went on. Uh, we put on billet badges, which if you look on the side of the truck just in front of the door, yep. typically is, is where it would say Ford F-350. Yep. Now it says Hellwig. They made us oh. very nice badges and for like pretty. a... A Hellwig edition uh, setup, so very nice. Uh, and then also on the deck, we put a, a worn 2500 witch to help get the side by side, the texture on Wildcat X up and down off the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, for the cool factor, Wayland supplied us with uh, the, the flashing light that you see on top that is a like road safety light, so it's all ambers and whites, no blues and twos. We're not trying to impersonate uh, no. officers. No, definitely uh, not. Also supplied us the brain for it in the box so we can make the lights flash in various ways. I have different horns. Uh, I downloaded their program, and I can actually go on and download different horns from different countries. Okay. So if I want to do a French siren or an, uh, a siren from the U.K., sure. we can do that just for the fun of it. That is fun. We also implemented a... Uh, and you never use them on the road, of Never course. on the road, no. Only for, only for show purposes when yes. we're in off-road events. Uh, also, we put a PA system in it once again strictly for events. Which I found very um, useful today. Right. So yeah. you communicate with us? Definitely. It's very easy, especially if you're outside and you go, hey, do I have clearance? Do I have room back there? Yeah. Um, and then to make sure that we had communication between the Textron side-by-side and, you know, this mothership, the recon vehicle, Rugged Radio supplied us with a radio system for the truck and the side-by-side both and handhelds. Yep. So the handheld, let's say we're off-road and I've got an obstacle up front and I've got some rocks and I need you to tell me where I'm going. I give you the handheld, we're both on the same station, you say, hey, go a little bit driver, yeah. you've, got a, you've got a little bit of a drop, and so we can communicate that to way make a lot easier. easier. And Teamwork the same, makes a dream work. Exactly. And the same with the side-by-side. So they gave us a setup with the radio, 
uh, also with uh, push talk buttons and helmet communications and actually over the ear uh, communications. So on the side by side, you push the button and now you're talking to anybody that's on your band. Sure. And so that was obviously finished in SIM, which happens in November. So what has this truck done since November then? Since November, it went to the... So that was finished right at the end of October. Okay. Uh, SEMA show started pretty much on Halloween. Yep. Uh, so it went to the SEMA show, went in Ford's booth, uh, and we were lucky enough to win a design award from Ford, mm -hmm. which was really awesome. Uh, that told me that Ford was happy with the build. Uh, from there, right after SEMA, we took it out to the uh, dry lake bed out there, and we did a photo shoot with Diesel World Magazine. Yep. Two of which we just got the cover of the latest issue of Diesel World Magazine. So if you're looking at the February-March issue it's this. of Diesel World, you've got the Hellwig operator on the cover mm -hmm. with the side-by-side -side in nice. the back. Yeah. Uh, from there, it has gone to King of the Hammers event mm -hmm. where we uh, took it out and the side-by-side -side out. We did a video shoot with it. We also invited media to come out and stay with us. Lance Camper was kind enough to bring out uh, two trailers, uh, a small trailer and their large toy hauler that mm -hmm. we housed media in. Okay. Uh, and then offered them rides and basically an off-road Uber to get to where they needed to go. Perfect. So we did that. And then we also hosted a uh, happy hour up on top of what they call Chocolate Thunder, uh, where we provided hot dogs and beer provided by Ninkasi Brewery out of Eugene, Oregon. Uh, so if anybody was thirsty or hungry, they could come get something, something to eat. And sure. then gave us an opportunity to talk to them about the product. Uh, the, unique, the unique thing about going up to Chocolate Thunder is it's a pretty steep hill. And we took the rule breaker up there, which has the Lance Camper on it. Uh -huh. And then my good friend Aaron Worth of Worth Exploring and Ninkasi Brewing, he has a Ram 3500 that he did custom build, custom bed on the back, and a Lance Camper on it. So we both took trucks with Lance Campers to the top of this hill that you would not normally see on top of a hill. Sure. Which then was a talking point. People would say, how did you get up here? What is going on? Yeah. And then, of course, as I because I don't like to plug Hellwig, I would say that's funny that you would ask because really Hellwig is what helped get it up here mm -hmm. and keep it stable. Yeah. I uh, was going to say we can turn around back on if you want to. Okay. The, I think, do I have a turnout up here on the left? I think you might do. Okay. There's no pressure. Whenever we get to it. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's what you've been doing since then. So King of the Hammers obviously leads, as we talk about, a little bit of dirt. Oh yes. How have you been managing that dirt situation from King of the Hammers? Uh, I'm still, so that was a couple weeks ago, I'm still blowing the inside of this truck out. I'm still vacuuming every crevice or crevasse that I can to get this finite silt out of the truck. Uh, but it, it's a great experience and a lot of people even ask, what, why would you take a truck out to the desert like that? Well. We build our vehicles to, to be, be used, used. Yeah. We, to show people that this this is what it's for. Uh, so the truck did great, you know, and, and little dirt doesn't hurt. So we we just clean it up and keep going. I know, it keeps rocking. So how many miles is it done now? Right now we have 7,300 miles on the truck. Which is not too bad that you picked it up in, a, no, in uh, uh, about September. August, yep. oh. August, late September. Yeah, September is when we picked it up. Yeah. And then so you obviously put some time and hours and probably maybe some skin into this as well. Uh, definitely, uh, you bet. The, the the awesome part about being able to do these builds is, is I really do love cars. I enjoy my job. Uh, I enjoy doing building the vehicles. Yep. So yes, there was a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears in it, but it, it's all it's a work of passion. Absolutely love it. 
And then, because obviously we discussed this earlier, I am a, a man of elder age getting on here. Uh, I don't like to get so much my uh, fingernails dirty anymore, and I pay people to do things. But you were one of those people that likes to work on cars. Oh, uh, yeah, so much so that I'm into uh, cursed vehicles that drip oil and have electrical issues. Like uh, but, uh, German vehicles, I understand. Uh, that. Is that correct? Yeah, German and English are my go-to. Well, I, only, I only hear positive things about English vehicles. Mm -hmm. I mean, I might be biased being English myself. Right. Right. But, and I've never owned an English vehicle, which means I have a 100% record of an English vehicle being 100% reliable. Of course. Of course, definitely. And you, shouldn't, and you shouldn't change that streak. That's a very good streak that you're on. Exactly. So I thought that would work well. It'd be good. So I'm just going to keep it at that at the moment. So yes. what is your latest acquisition, we should say, when we're talking about that? Uh, my latest acquisition, actually as of uh, last week, Wednesday, is a 1966 Volkswagen Transporter double cab. Okay. So if people aren't familiar with Volkswagens, a transporter is basically a bus, Yep. Uh, and the double cab is a crew cab truck. So it looks like a bus front end, and it has a front seat and a back seat. Then after that is uh, a truck bed with fold-down gates. So in a lot of people's eyes, in my eyes, it's the ultimate uh, cross between uh, the styling and functionality. You can still get, you can put five people in it very comfortable. You can put six if you need to. Mm -hmm. And then you still have a bed out back to put things. You can put a motorcycle back there, which I'm a huge fan of. Or you can put your camping gear and go on a camping trip. So how many Volkswagens is that that you have then, if that is just a recent acquisition? I currently have four air-cooled Volkswagens and one water-cooled Volkswagen, so five. And then if we, that's five, and then if we talk about the motorcycles that you mentioned you do enjoy, how many motorcycles do you have? Uh, I have three on-road motorcycles and one dirt bike. Okay, so that's four. And then... How many vehicles do you have stored on your palatial property that is not yours but just sit there currently this time? Uh, I only have two that are actually work vehicles. So okay. the operator and the... Uh, so they're Hellwig vehicles? The, yes, so I have two Hellwig, oh. I have two Hellwig vehicles. That, the, that we're not talking about, we're not. We're not going to talk about the Hellwig vehicles, no. the operator or the rule breaker. We won't talk about those. Okay. Uh, but I have an affinity for off-roading, so I have a 96 Land Rover Discovery. Okay. Uh, that is my uh, my safari-type vehicle, so sure. it's all kitted with a safari guard snorkel, and mm -hmm. I've got the roof rack, and it's on 35s with uh, more money invested into it than it'll ever, ever be worth. Why? 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 Uh, the same, same sensible to me. Right, yeah. No, yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good reverse investment, I call it. Yeah, yeah. It's, you've um, got to help the tax man out somehow. Yes, yes. It's just helping the economy. And then I'm also a huge fan of uh, road racing and Canyon Roads. So I have, uh, I'm into weird, rare, and what I consider to be collectible cars. So I have a 99 BMW Z3M Coupe. Okay. Uh, also known as a clown shoe. Yep. Uh, so that, that is my fun little Canyon car. Uh, and then I've got, I've got a couple projects sitting out back. So. <laughs> It's easy. No, yeah. It's not a problem. Uh, yeah. And, and it's a hobby. Yes, it's, it's a hobby. It's, it's a, a lifestyle and a sickness. So the one that you picked up, this, let's talk mostly about this one, that, firstly about this one that you picked up last week. So obviously when you got your hands on it or when you went and saw it, was it running? Not running? What's the situation? Uh, not running. Okay. So it was... Uh, it, when did it last run then? Uh, two to three years ago, I believe. So it, it had been sitting in a yard for at least a year. Uh, kind of waiting its turn to get built and then the owner uh, I don't know if the owner had lost interest or what the deal was but basically it just it, it came up and it was time that he was ready to cut loose of it 
Okay. Uh, and it would just happen to be the right timing that I came along and said, hey, I'd love to buy it. And he says, okay, hurry up and get here before I change my mind. Sure. Uh, so it was at least a year or two, possibly three, since it had ran. And then so what was wrong with it? Because I did assume it didn't turn over first time? Uh, no, actually, the motor would not spin completely over at all. So okay. something was keeping it from, from turning over. So we pulled the motor out of it. Uh, and uh, Did you pull it out there at location, or did you bring it back? No, we brought, we brought it home. Okay. Uh, for, for what the vehicle was, the negotiated price was, was fair enough that, that I was confident that no matter what was wrong with the vehicle, we were okay. okay. There was no, hey, if this doesn't run, I'm going to come back and be very angry. It was sure. bought as is, deal with the situation. Yep. Uh, so luckily one of my very best friends, uh, Old Steel Garage in Leona Valley, he specializes in old Volkswagens, hot rods, and motorcycles. Uh -huh. We took it straight up to his shop. We had the motor pulled in 15 minutes. It's a bus. Super, it's four bolts, six, uh, four to six wires, and a throttle cable. Okay. And your fuel line. So it comes out real easy. Uh, we took the clutch off to see if maybe a bolt there did it. We took the fan shroud off to see if that hung up. No. Long story short, we tore the motor down to, we ripped the heads off, got the first set of heads off, and we found what looked like two nuts that had been smashed in the number three cylinder and number three head. Okay. Uh, so where do they come from? Uh, my guess is somehow they dropped into the intake manifold. Okay. Uh, and that valve happened, that intake valve happened to be open mm -hmm. and they slipped into the cylinder. It, it, it can happen with a vehicle that's been sitting forever, especially if the intake manifold's been off for a while. Uh. So we inspected the piston, we inspected the head. There were a couple of uh, impressions yep. of these nuts in there, but nothing, nothing cracked, nothing broken, nothing that would be fatal to the engine. So we decided, hey, let's put it back together and see if it runs. Uh, unfortunately, upon further inspection, there was a crack in the case that had uh, somebody had attempted to JB weld. Okay. Um, that we just said, it, I had the call, which the call was, this vehicle was going to run today and I was going to drive it. So we put the motor back together, retorqued the heads. We put it on our engine stand uh, that we built uh, so we could run engines, fine tune them, tune the carburetors and all that. Fired it up. It fired right up and idle. So we were good on that front. The case where it was cracked was was leaking oil, but you know what? We knew the motor was doomed, but we wanted to go for a test drive. Sure. So we You've slapped- You've got a new toy, you want to give it a go? Exactly. So we slapped the motor back in, we changed some axle boots out, we double checked the brakes. Brakes were brand new on it, that was good. Uh, we had absolutely no lights or electrical that was working on it. So we went through the entire electrical system, we had our dot wiring diagram out, and in 14 hours from our starting point, we diagnosed the motor, had it tuned and running, uh, checked the brakes, checked, uh, changed out axle boots, and then had the electrical system working flawlessly. Headlights, tail lights, running lights, blinkers, brake lights, the full night. So at about midnight, uh, me and three of my buddies took it for its first maiden voyage under my new ownership. And then Seats-wise, how did that work out? So seats-wise, uh, the vehicle did not come with any seats. Okay. So I'm acquiring so, seats. So seats were put in and secured, so it was safe. Okay. Because uh, I would have just used milk crates. Right. Well, luckily, so I have a 66 camper bus as well uh, that I stole okay. the front seats out of. Yeah. Borrowed. Yeah. Borrowed. Lent. Uh, come, come a deer, yeah. as it were. Sure. Uh, so we put that in the front, and then out back, I may or may not 
have used two metal folding seats that you might have sat on in maybe church or a auditorium in school. Yeah. Uh, in I the, thought that was standard. The, standard. Yeah, yeah. So we secured those in a uh, safe fashion in the back, and two of my buddies sat on sat on those for our, our maiden voyage. Uh, a lot of my close and best friends are heavily into Volkswagens as well. So anytime somebody gets a Volkswagen and we get it going, uh, it's a group effort. We all pitch in, and then we all want to be in the in the Volkswagen for that maiden voyage. Of course. So we did, and that maiden voyage was at was at midnight. And thankfully, since you made the lights work, yeah, we were, go- and that was the key. Also, uh, I I do not want to get hassled by uh, by the man, by the, by the causes, if you will. Sure. Uh, so wanted to make sure everything was legit and roadworthy before we hit the road. Plus, I want to protect my investment. I want to make sure the brakes work. I don't want to get rear-ended by somebody because my taillights don't work. Yeah. Don't work. Not ideal since you just yeah. already spent so much time getting it working to then have to spend more time Definitely. fixing it. Definitely. So does this mean then that of all, currently all your projects are running? Or are you still something that's still getting worked on? Oh, no. On? There's, always, uh, there's always vehicles in a state of being worked on. My 66 Bug, uh, excuse me, my 61 Standard Beetle mm-hmm. uh, is getting a complete uh, restoration right now. It was okay. my first car. I bought it when I was 14 years old. Um, I am, I'm, eh, I'm now 37, so you can do the math. It, sure. It's my first and longest love and longest relationship. Uh, so right now, it's being restored uh, with... Uh, Larry over at uh, Deutschland Metalworks, he's over in Palmdale. He does excellent work on uh, Volkswagen buses and bugs and any other type of Volkswagen. So he did a full pan-off restoration. We took the body off. He addressed the pan halves. He addressed metal issues in the body and the door uh, and got it pristine. By the time I put it back together, besides the fact that it's now bright yellow, it'll look day one. It'll be a day one car. Perfect. Uh, My 66 camper bus. We are in the middle of restoring the interior and addressing uh, some rust issues and some driveline upgrades that we're doing to it. That I'm not doing a full rotisserie uh, restoration on, nor on the double cab, because in all honesty with these buses, it's very easy to get $60,000 into, and now I have a vehicle I'm afraid to drive. Sure. And I don't want to be afraid to drive it. I want to drive them, enjoy them. Uh, I also have a... Uh, affinity, some people might call it a problem with uh, small trailers, mm-hmm. tent trailers made yep. by a company called Helite. They're out of Lodi, California. Okay. Uh, so I currently have three and a half of those, uh, two of which one of each will go behind my Volkswagen so then I can take them camping in. Sure. And then, so with that being the case, Mike, what's your next project for the remainder of the year? Uh, so my next project for the remainder of the year is my 66 double cab, my 66 camper bus, and my 61 bug. And then have you got any adventures that are planned, either with you or with Hellwig? Oh, definitely. So it, on the personal side, uh, several Volkswagen campouts. Uh, there's a Prado show in Southern California. One of the biggest ones that just happened will be in January of next year is the Buses by the Bridge event in Lake Havasu. Okay. Uh, where they have, last year they had over 600 Volkswagen buses uh, that attended. It made it the biggest, vo- the biggest uh, culmination congregation of Volkswagen buses in the world. Okay. So that'll be there. For Hellwig, uh, lots of travel. So last year after we spoke, uh, I had gone to the Middle East with, mm-hmm. uh, with SEMA to yep. drum up some business where we were fortunate enough to go to the Yas Marina and get on the F1 track where we actually took tour buses on the F1 track. 
uh, the next day. I'm very familiar with taking large multi-person vehicles on a racetrack. Right. Yeah, I heard you may may not have done that recently at Thermal Club. Yes, um, that's Thermal correct. California. That's awesome. Yeah, I will say that uh, the Thermal Club agreed that I was the quickest person in, to ever take potentially eight people around the test uh, that, the track. That's awesome. Did you call Guinness World Book of Records? Because not think, yet. We okay. haven't. That hasn't been verified yet. Because I've got to do it again. Two Understood. Days. Understood. Well, let me know if you need an unofficial official there. Okay. To log in. I'd, sure. I'd love to join. Um, so with with Hellwig, not yep. plugging them, uh, we went to uh, the Middle East to drum up business there, and then was lucky enough to drive a uh, GT4 spec Aston Martin around one half of Yas Marina, okay, and then a Formula 3000 car on the other half. Fun. And the awesome thing about the Formula 3000 car, this is the closest thing to a race car you'll ever get to drive, and it's solely you in the vehicle. Yep. It's not a two-seater like they modify to go run Indy or other courses. It's you run as fast as the instructor in front of you will let you go. Sure. Very and then uh, when you're doing that, does the instructor, is it Bluetooth and they give you instructions through and you go no. to radio? No. No, nope. you just follow it these is, lines? It's, it's just you and you drive the car as fast as you're comfortable and if you wreck it, it's on you. Okay. So that's that's in the back of your mind is, can I afford this? Yeah. Um, on the business side, it was very great. I've met some new customers uh, that we went dune bashing with, mm -hmm. as they call it, which yep. is uh, what's unique in the Middle East is they're not like us in the States or here in Southern California where we have our big truck like this, no. like this Ford F-350 built by Hellwig. Uh, and then they have their trailer, like a let's say they had a Lance trailer that's a uh, toy hauler that they would then put their Textron side-by-side -side in. Sure. They don't have that there. They have their daily driver that is then set up to go in the dune. So they have their Jeep Wranglers, they have Chevy uh, Tahoes, they have Chevy 1500s, they have Ford Raptors, they have uh, Toyota FJ Cruisers, that literally you're driving on the road and here are the dunes to the right and they go, okay, we're going to the dunes. Sure. And then they start what they call dune bashing. So or, or alternatively, they could just continue going left and right till they get on two wheels and then they just climb out the windows. Which they do as well. And they actually have competitions there uh, in drifting and on the two-wheel driving. I know. It's very clever. Yes. Yes. So uh, so we did that and that was a, a successful business trip and adventure in life. Uh, and then we, I understand you also went to the Antipodes. Uh, yes. We went to Australia. Yes. Uh, so we did a show with SEMA uh, as well there in Melbourne, mm -hmm. or Melbourne, to, to say it properly. Sure. And, uh, as the Aussies would. That's correct. Uh, and I was lucky enough to partner with uh, another company, Nitro Gear and Axle, that helped set me up with a customer and also somebody to test fit and do testing of product. Uh, so Darren McRae in Australia out of Geelong, uh, we did an install video uh, with uh, Joel, or as Joel, Joel Moranton. Mm -hmm. uh, he did the install coverage of our sway bars front and rear for a Toyota Hilux diesel model. Yep. Two of which we then embarked on a seven day overland, true overland outback adventure where we camped in the outback. We did 3,500 miles. Did you camp in a swag? Two of which, uh, I did, actually we just camped in a tent. I did, okay. I did not camp in a swag. Uh, and believe Next it or, time you need a swag. And, yes, and we did not use any rooftop tents, which okay. is hilarious because in Australia, that's kind of where in America, that's what we think that the Australians run. Uh, the gentleman that I went with, Darren McRae, does not allow them on his excursions no. because 
uh, there's something that Australians really like to do, and that is when they get away, they like to enjoy their beer and their alcoholic beverages. The number one issue with sleeping in a rooftop tent is in the middle of the night, you may have to go relieve yourself. Of course. Uh, and, or you're trying to see the stars. And a lot of people forget that they're on the rooftop tent, and they end up falling out of the rooftop tent and then have an issue where they have to get, excuse me, where they have to get airlifted out. Okay. So we actually camped on the ground in tents. Which was nerve-wracking for me because, you know... Us drop bears, firstly. First off, drop bears. And, you know, as us Americans are well aware, everything in Australia is trying to kill you. I mean, if we, uh, let's, just, let's just run through a few things. If yes. it's not the spiders. Right. If it's not the snakes. Mm -hmm. If it's not the crocodiles, both saltwater and freshwater, and the sharks. I mean, then I think you've got to have to worry about things like lizards... Thing. I mean, it's uh, there's a hope. You have to worry about kangaroos jumping in front of your vehicle. Oh yeah, uh, and hitting them, and where where they hit you on the vehicle. Because mm -hmm. uh, a big red, people don't realize a big red bouncing at full speed can clear the two lane road. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and it's and they come up to to windshield height a lot of times. That's why in Australia they have bull bars. And they call it's, them big reds for a reason. Oh yeah, because they're big and they're red. And we we saw some. I mean, if that goes through the windshield, that's not a good day. And they're coming up kicking and punching. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things. Now the funny thing in my experience in Australia is, uh, absolutely nothing tried to kill us. Which the is good. The only thing that actually did try to kill me was I caught a bug. I caught a sickness. Right when we uh, got right when we got to the middle of the outback. Yep. Um, and luckily enough, uh, uh, my buddy Ian that was with us, he happened to have uh, some antibiotic uh, antibiotics with him that then would basically kill anything in my gut, and had me going in a day and a half. Perfect. Uh, but for a while there, I was actually probably uh, the the deadliest and most toxic toxic thing within a 30-mile radius of where we were in the outback. Well, the only thing I'm glad, you, hopefully, you didn't do was, like, go online to find out and self-diagnose. Mm -hmm. I did that once, never again. Never try and self-diagnose yourself no, on the internet. No, no, it doesn't That's work. That's just you, a fun fact for everyone right? out there watching and listening. Don't go on the internet and type in your symptoms because, generally, what will come back is something that says you're not going to live. Of course. And, and three variants of you're not going to live. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. I think mine was mine was real good, though. I think it was essentially like consumption, bubonic right. plague, and uh, something else that shall not be named. Uh, uh, so I would not suggest that any way, shape, or form. Well, luckily, we were in the dead middle of the out of. The, the outback yeah. in the middle of Australia which I don't know if a lot of people know this Australia is larger than the United States including Alaska yeah. as a continent uh, its population is about the same as California or Texas so they have their densely populated areas but there's a lot of wide open wilderness mm -hmm. that's just nothingness so and then so speaking of those a lot of, a lot of red dirt I'm going to assume on your trip a lot of red dirt and which also takes quite some time to get out of cars. Uh, very much so, yes. So we, uh, we were in a blue uh, Toyota Hilux, and we had a white uh, Toyota SUV that was a chase. And the, the white SUV was a little bit more pink uh, at the end of yeah. our journey. Now, on this 3,500-mile journey, probably a solid 3,000 miles of it was off-road. Mm -hmm. And that was our goal, was to test the, the Hellwig sway bars that we're not plugging. Yeah. Uh, the great thing about it was we had a Toyota Hilux that was filled with five grown men. 
the bed was completely full with our camping gear, our freezer, fridge, uh, our barbecue, our billy. Or an esky, as they would say. Uh, or as an esky, exactly. Or if you're in New Zealand, a chili bin. Right, yeah, it, it all depends. Luckily, uh, well, unluckily, we were not able to get to New Zealand. Okay. Uh, and then it also had a bin that was up high, mounted just up above the frame rail. So yep. once again, we have an altered center of gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the feedback that I got from Darren was stellar. He's, he was very impressed with the way the sway bars worked, how balanced it kept the vehicle on yeah. dirt. Uh, if he needed the car to go sideways, it was a quick Scandinavian flick. Sure. The truck would go sideways, get that footprint a little wider, give it a diagonal spread. Yep. Also, if we were driving and the car happened to get sideways, the back end wanted to step out, yeah. he said it was very predictable and it was just another quick flick and the vehicle was back under control. Sure. Now you can get over because we're going to be canines coming over shortly. Easy as that. Uh, so it was. It, it proved to be very. It was a great life experience. Like now. Yeah. Like now. Now. It was a great life experience. We went to uh, Mount Dare. Uh, we met uh, a real life bushman who mm-hmm. lived out in in the middle of nowhere. Uh, very, very good guy. Uh, name is. Uh, Crabby Bob, hey Bob, very awesome, awesome gentleman. Did he have a beard? De- de- definitely had a beard. There you go. Uh, true Bushman, stayed out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we actually drove 45 miles back into Mount Dare, which now when I say 40 or 45 minutes, this is all dirt road. We're still yeah. in the outback mm-hmm. uh, to a small uh, gas station, store, eatery type place that's out there so we could watch the, um, the big... Uh, Aussie Rules football match. Oh, the grand final? Uh, no, not the grand final. It's the match. Or maybe it wasn't Aussie Rules football. Maybe it was rugby. And it oh, was you mean the state of origin? The state of origin. Sure. Yes, which, uh, which we watched, which for the first time in a long time, the underdog won. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was really cool. Uh, just just a great experience to have that, that true Australian outback experience. I mean, being a kid of the 80s, of course, we wa- uh, grew up watching Crocodile Dundee. That's not and wanted and wa- Exactly. So, we, we of course, we had to reenact a little... Uh, a little crocodile Dundee action sure. while we were out there. I mean, like all ignorant Americans, we have to we have to do what the movies say. How did you come up against the road trains? Uh, road trains. That was very interesting to see because they're large, large semis with you know <laughs> three trailers on them, and they're barreling down these dirt highways. They break for no one. No, they don't care. They're they are doing their thing, and they're doing sixty miles an hour. I mean, obviously they do kilometers there, but I'm an American, so we're going to talk miles per hour. Sure. And the funny thing is, with these, which people think sixty miles an hour is not fast, but sixty miles an hour on dirt roads, on dirt, with this thing coming up behind you. It is like you're in a Steven Spielberg movie. Oh yes, no, it's it's definitely Mad Max, very Mad Max esque uh, of its feeling, uh, and really, if you if you come up on it and you're behind it, you get around it as absolutely quick as possible. If for some reason one is coming up behind you and yep. it's going to overtake, uh, you need to pull over and you seriously have to wait 15, 20 minutes. Otherwise, you're just in a cloud of dust. Uh, but yeah, no, the land trans. It was something. It was, it was just it was a spectacle. Something to see. Yeah, uh, and then just seeing all the different vehicles that are out there, and what was what's odd. I'm I'm an avid overlander, off roader, and one of the first things you do when you get off road is you air down. Yep. Well, that's something new to Australians. A lot of people didn't and don't, and so they end up with pop tires, puncture tires, and issues or rough ride blowing out suspension. Sure. So that's something that that's growing for education over there. Um, but on this this trip and on these dirt roads, you can typically drive faster off road than on road. 
Okay. Uh, and there is there is the off-road cops, or what they call tracks. So yep. we're on these tracks. Um, and we went to uh, one of the, the world's largest natural hot springs along our journey. Uh, we went to Alice Springs, and we dropped a couple people off to fly back to the States. And then mm-hmm. we made our trip home. Uh, we stayed uh, in Cooper PD, which is where uh, the majority of the world's opals yep. come from. That's correct. Uh, and we stayed in an underground hotel. Yeah. So basically modified with the with the the mines, some yep. old mines that were turned into hotels. So so really cool life experiences. But the the grand uh, reason that we did it was to not plug Helwig, but was to test the product in real life on Australian soil in the environment that Australians would use it as. And the product passed with flying colors. So I know I now know I have a product that is Australian tested and Australian proof. Sure. Now speaking of not plugging anything. Mike, since we've done no plugging at all right. of Hellwick this episode, so we must apologize to Melanie when we see her next time. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to keep my job. I know. Point, so, so since we're going to wrap this up shortly because we've got to go off and I've got to let you go back to work and do your own thing, if they're looking to find anything online about Hellwick, where would people need to go? Oh, easy to go to our website, which is hellwigproducts.com. Okay. What about on the social media? Social. On the Instagrams and the Facebook and things like that. Funny you should ask, because that stuff's growing all the time. Uh, on Facebook, we are Hellwig Products. Yep. Uh, and then on Instagram, we are Hellwig underscore products. Fantastic. Uh, you can also find us under Hellwig Motorsports Okay. as well. Uh, but yeah, give us a like or a follow. We do lots of cool stuff. You've heard about the vehicles that we built. We've done the, the Nissan Titan with the camper on it, which is the ultimate overland vehicle. We have tons of videos on that. Uh, we have the Ford Super Duty, this F-350 that's now the operator with the Textron side-by-side on the back. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You'll see it. Follow our story. You'll see what we do. We don't build show queens. We build vehicles that test our product and actually live a lifestyle. I mean, we needed it today. I mean, the rain that we had was incredible. Oh, definitely. I mean, almost a torrential downpour. So with that being the case, we want to thank everyone for watching and listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. So bye-bye. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.